Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Hope you are having a great day. A special shout out to Yoshiko, Yoshiko Dart. I hope you're leading on. I know you are. And yes, once again, Ireland. Of the 17 countries that listen to this show, once again, Ireland leads the way. As I've said, you must have incredible disability advocates and you just keep it on. Thank you so much and thank you to all the other countries that listen to the show. So before we get going here, tonight is the Mardi Gras Pittsburgh for the Epilepsy Association and tonight the president of Highmark, Deb Rice Johnson, will be the king of the Mardi Gras. And congratulations, you know everyone, um, I'm living with epilepsy. Actually, I'm the chair of the local affiliate. And if anyone deserves this, it is Deb Rice Johnson. Highmark, at Highmark, and guess what? Highmark has been the lead sponsor of this radio show for three years years and our other sponsor the first part of the year is audio a great software developer web tool product i mean their their web tool which is all about accessibility is phenomenal um, i mean they are just a phenomenal product uh, but anyway thank you hi mark thank you audio and now the moment we've been waiting for Lori Hennenborn. Oh, you probably read her blog on LinkedIn, but I know everyone has been hearing about the great study that came out from the work at Accenture. And Lori is the research managing director, and it is so exciting and our pleasure to have her on the show today. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here, so thank you. So I thought we would begin, Lori, for all of our listeners, uh, if you would not mind telling everyone about your role at Accenture and about Accenture, such a great company, but really large company. So why don't we start with you first telling us what you do? Happy to, Joyce. Thank you again for having me. Um, so, everyone, I sit in the Global Accenture Research Organization of Accenture. Uh, we're a leading global professional services company with a lot of employees, roughly 460,000 around the globe. Um, Accenture Research, specifically, we employ nearly 321 countries. Um, in this team, we have information and thought leadership professionals. We have economists. We have data scientists. And, you know, this is a team really focused on developing uh, data-driven insight, market research, and subject matter expertise to our client teams, our business, and our external thought leadership, of which this study was absolutely a part. Um, I started with this team around 20 years ago as a research specialist, and I'm currently a managing director responsible for leading the global research teams aligned to, in particular, our digital, technology, and operations businesses. But throughout the past year or so, Joyce, I have also been taking more of a lead role in disability inclusion research and thought leadership, working closely with our global inclusion and diversity organization and persons with disabilities program sponsor, that's Chad Jardee, along with Dan Ellerman, who also joins us today from Accenture. And I, I suppose, Dan, Dan, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself uh, now as well? Sure. Uh, hi, Joyce. Hi, Laurie. Um, and and Joyce, thanks again for having us on your program today. Um, again, my name is Dan Allerman. I do lead our global persons with disabilities um, efforts for Accenture, uh, which means I work on our policies, programming, and overall efforts around disability inclusion. Again, really trying to ensure that. Our over 460 some thousand employees in 120 countries 
um, are included and have the tools and resources they need to to be successful um, at their jobs. So thanks again. Is that it, Dan? You're not going to tell everyone you're the king of Accenture? (laughs) Um, uh, You know, try to be a little humble every now and then. (laughs) But uh, I will tell everyone (laughs) that I have known Joyce for over 10 years now, I think. And um, it's just amazing to be working and sometimes mentioned in the same breath as a disability inclusion rights leader as Joyce. So I do definitely uh, appreciate and sometimes them and all of the people that I get to work with and partner with um, on a regular basis. So thank you for your leadership, Joyce. The feeling is mutual. If you go to the Disability In Conference, which everyone should, and it's in Chicago in July this year, um, good luck if you could find someone that doesn't know who Dan Ellerman is. Um, And he was with Northrop Grumman before, and he has been on a crusade since I've known him uh, for the employment of people with disabilities. Uh, See, Lori? I I told you, King King of Accenture. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it is true that disability inclusion is so key at Accenture and really just a part of the fabric of the organization. Uh, Could you provide us with some examples such as in accessibility, recruitment, and even the work you do in supplier diversity? Sure, Joyce. Um, I'll take this question real quick. Um, So Accenture has an overall mission of being the most diverse and inclusive organization on the planet. And a major component of that um, is really ensuring that we are including employees of all abilities. Uh, We have so much going on right now, Joyce, as you well know. I know we talk a lot, but um, I was trying to think about maybe three of the the most prominent examples that we have right now that's going on. Um, And the first one, I'll say, really starts with our accessibility journey, um, where we have evaluated the overall inclusiveness of our workplaces and our digital resources. Uh, We have put into place an aggressive plan, um, and we are making great progress on getting to as accessible as possible. So uh, so an example of that is last year we launched our uh, Accenture Workplace Accessibility Standards um, so that we have a common standard that we look for when we are leasing, buying, renting, or remodeling a facility or a workplace or workspace. Um, this standard is really focused on inclusion and not just compliance. So we definitely w- or th- have the employee at the heart of the experience, and that's what we're really focused on is that employee experience. Um, the second area I think I'd highlight is really around, it stems from our um, accessibility journey as well. So our employees, like most companies, use a variety of digital and web-based tools to do their job. So anything from time and data entry to engineering and software tools. Um, and many of these tools are vendor-procured items. Um, so in order to get the most accessible tools we possibly can, we updated our supplier code of conduct, our request for information, our request for proposal, um, contract language to include accessibility compliance. So we actually cite WCAG 2.0, uh, 2.1 AA standards in the contract documents. Um, and lastly, um, from a recruiting perspective, first I want to plug uh, disability in and the next gen mentoring program. Um, Accenture, this will be Accenture's second year participating in that program. Uh, last year, uh, we had a number of our employees uh, participate as mentors, um, and this year we're doing the same. And we actually were able to make a hire out of the, uh, one of those uh, relationships. So, Ike Tellerine. Um, he's a finance analyst down in our office in, in Dallas. Um, he happens to be an individual with a visual impairment. Um, but we met him at the conference last year. Our uh, recruiters loved him, and so did our hiring managers, and we were able to get him on board. And I'm expecting to see um, better results this year and hopefully some uh, and more hires. Um, actually, I just got my mentee assign my mentee today in the program, so I'm looking forward for another good year of um, in the mentoring program. But um, 
Across the globe, we have a number of local neurodiversity programs that we work with local organizations to bring in interns, contract employees, and have converted many of those to full-time hires. So like in the U.S., we partner with MindShift, Marriott Bridges Foundation, Best Buddies in Ireland, which you spoke of earlier, being one of your highest uh, listening audiences. And uh, in Canada, we partner with Special Esterna, um, and As I Am, and there's some, a number of other organizations that we're partnering with um, on a global scale. Well, that, that is awesome. Uh, I know you do so much. And as I said, I know you have passion for all of this, Dan. And you know what? You're, you have quite a connection with Ireland, don't you? Uh, yeah, many people don't realize that Accenture is um, headquarters out of Dublin, Ireland. So we are actually an Irish company. Well, now we know so why, why we have this big audience in Ireland, huh? <laughs> That's a good possibility. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, Dan, um, you know, keep up all the great things that you are doing because a company like Accenture, the decisions you make have such an impact uh, on so many people. And Lori, you are one of those people. I wanted Mm -hmm. you to talk to our listeners about why you became involved disclosing in reference to your disability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so you just let the cat out of the bag. Um, so beyond the background that I shared earlier, I also do identify as a person with disability, which I really only disclosed about a year ago within Accenture and even more broadly um, just a few weeks ago through a LinkedIn article. Um, you referenced it earlier, Joyce. Thank you. Um, I have to say it was, um, it was a combination of a very challenging project at work, uh, but also Accenture's passion for bringing your whole self to work that finally pushed me um, to the point where I was comfortable sharing my story. Um, so I'll explain. Um, you know, this is, this is essentially, it's a story of, of a mom who two years after, you know, her son was born, woke up one morning barely able to see out of um, uh, my left eye. Um, the pain around the surface of, of that eye was excruciating. It was ultimately diagnosed as optic neuritis. This is a telltale sign of multiple sclerosis. Um, it eventually cleared up, but since then there have been a variety of other symptoms and attacks, like when I went surface numb on my entire right side or have had bouts with irritatingly loud tinnitus. Um, and for really the, the 14 years after um, that diagnosis, I shared that news with precious few. Uh, I called them my trusted tribe. I mean, even to the point where only a few in my close family knew. You know, I was, I was, um, there was, I'll never forget that moment when, you know, sitting down with my parents, there was a conversation about, you know, being careful not to share with grandma and grandpa because it might make them nervous, right? And others in my family. And I think it was that stigma. Um, that was really born, in, in, unfortunately for me, in my in my home. <laughs> that um, that also contributed to my to my silence. Um, so only these precious few, again, my trusted tribe, they knew. You know, only they knew why I would have to take time off sometimes for days. Um, I, I really didn't want anyone worrying about me. I didn't want it affecting my career at all. And and to be honest. I think part of me was just wishing it away. Um, And then uh, a few years ago, I was asked to take on a pretty significant priority at work about two, uh, I guess it was about two years ago. Um, And while being uh, my usual type A self, I found myself in the throes of an attack. Uh, This left me massively fatigued, constantly agitated with significant recall issues. And it's, it's what we call in the MS community brain fog. Um, no one knew. Uh, what they knew was that I, I just I wasn't bringing my typical A game. So I, I eventually rolled off that project, um, left with um, some 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 pretty um, significant like confidence 
issues as a result. Like my confidence was just at an all-time low. Um, like here I was, managing director, relatively new managing director at the time. I should I should be able to you know nail this. Um, and it was only a month or two after rolling off Joyce that you know we held a team event where a dear colleague of mine, Barbara Harvey, out of our UK team, um, led a session on mental health mindfulness and the importance of being truly human. And we were also receiving more and more messages from leadership here in North America, uh, particularly about the importance of bringing our whole selves to work. And um, what I came to realize is that I really wasn't bringing my whole self to work. I was setting the wrong example by keeping my disability a secret. I was putting my own mental health in jeopardy. And so I I took it to heart and published two internal blogs about my journey. Um, and, and, And the response has been just so incredible with others willing to share their own stories, their fears. I just had two calls yesterday with colleagues who who just wanted to talk either about um, the MS diagnosis or about their own journey. Um, and it's, it's, this is all of this also wrapped around why it was, I was so very passionate about using my research skills to focus on developing this study um, that we're going to talk about today, this business case for including uh, persons with disabilities in the workforce and giving them a place where they can have careers and thrive. Okay, you are, just to give you an idea here of what Lori's like, I'm over here smiling because I want to ask you how, to all of the listeners, how many people do you know, you know, when someone says, oh, you left the cat out of the bag, they're meaning, oh, I wanted to tell that, or oh, that was my big surprise. In other words, like, I'm proud of this, I wanted to tell everyone. Who do you know that would say, oh, you let the cat out of the bag. I wanted to tell everyone I have a disability. Wow. If we could get everyone to do that, wouldn't that be great? So I just want you all to remember that. What she said, you let the cat out of the bag. This is something really important and really something I want to tell. Boy, Lori, you've come a long way, huh? Oh, you're not kidding. I mean, I'll I'll never forget and... Um and um, maybe she's listening, Hannah Kendig, one of my colleagues here in the New York office, she was there. I had to reach over. We have open workspaces. I reached over. I grabbed her hand. I said, you need to come here and help me push the, the publish button when I published the LinkedIn article <laughs> because it's not, it's not easy. But once, once you get to that point, it is amazing, right, the burden that lifts. Well, Lori, in behalf, uh, as a woman living with epilepsy and hard of hearing, in behalf of all Americans living with disabilities, I want to thank you for doing that. Because as I said earlier, Accenture, look how many companies you're involved with, not just your number of employees, but how many companies and leaders you're involved with. And I want to thank you for speaking up, And letting everyone know, I'm living with MS and I'm not ashamed. So thank you for doing that. I'm really proud of you. Thank you, Joyce. Well, you know, it's... um it was, it was flipping through just an excellent study. And, Dan, you know the study well. It's the one that I, um, we contributed to by the Center for Talent Innovation. And this is where I saw that it's, it's estimated that more than one quarter of the U.S. white-collar workforce have some form of disability but are not disclosing this to their employer. So like me, most of these individuals, this is an assumption on my part, but it's a big assumption, right? But you know, I presume that most of them have non-apparent conditions. So whether that's mental health-related, neurodiversity, autoimmune diseases, hearing impairments, you know, some they were born with, but some, like me, that may have surfaced while they're in the thick of their careers. So, you know, I can't speak for everyone out there, but I know what to, you know, what took me so long, Joyce, was honestly, you know, classic FUD. Uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So fear that my career or role would be impacted or that I would be seen as a burden on my team or my manager. Uncertainty about how, this would, how others would react to the news. Doubt that by sharing the news, it would make any difference to myself or you know, my work environment. And honestly, I couldn't have been farther from reality on these dimensions. 
Is that why you think, because when I go to a company and they say to me, Oh, Joyce, I'm so glad we're working with you because, you know, we do digital accessibility. We have our software product, iDisability, mm-hmm. but the heart and soul mm-hmm. bender always will be recruitment, mm-hmm. employment. That is why iDisability, you know, was so important to me to break down barriers and stigma. So when I go to a company and they say, oh, this is the first time we've done this, I remind them, oh, no, you've already hired people with disabilities. Right? They're working for you right now. It's just That's they right. aren't telling That's you. Right. Yep. Do and the fear think, is, you, right, and this is my yeah, What do you sense. think is the main overriding reason? Is it what you just said? What do you think? I think that is. I think it, for, well, okay, so I can't speak for everyone out there, right, who's, who's remaining silent. Um, we're all on our own journey as far as that's concerned. But, yes, for me, it did come down for FUD. And what I believe, I mean, truly, right, it would be amazing if more of us disclose. Because my fear is that by not disclosing, we have employees who, like me, right, they're more, they were more stressed. They're more stressed at work than they need to be because they're trying so hard to keep their conditions hidden. I fear that non-disclosure perpetuates that workforce so that workplace that is disabled in its own way, so blind to the needs of its employees on matters related to things like accommodations that may be needed, accessible technology or tools that are needed to do our jobs, like policies that need to be in place, training that should be made available to our people, especially to our managers for how to most effectively recruit, interview, and work with a person with disability. And yes, iDisability is an amazing tool for that. Well, thank you. Uh, but I have to say, I, I do think it's that stigma. I do think mm-hmm. it's what will people think. I mean, like you, I... When I first found out I had epilepsy, there were only a few people that knew. Uh, And one day I meet Tony Quello, and I tell Tony, yes, I have a seizure disorder. And he says, no, you mean you have epilepsy. That's it. From that day forward, I'm living with epilepsy. And it was, at first, this, you know, yeah, I have a disorder, but I wasn't saying the word. And Dan, I know that's hard for you to believe with me, but we're in 1997, and you know, that's only seven years after the ADA uh, was signed, but Dan, I'll ask you also, do you think that's the main reason people do not disclose? I think definitely stigma is is definitely a huge part of it. The only part I would say that we may not discuss on why people won't disclose is, number one, just being educated on what the definition of disability is. And I've come to find out that um, many people will, will kind of equate a disability or if they claim they have a disability in the workplace that they're needing an accommodation or an adjustment in the workplace. And that's not really um, the case. In, in most of the cases, there you know, might be no accommodation needed. Um, for, my, for my instance, so I have type 1 diabetes, uh, so I'll come out in full disclosure. I'm a type 1 diabetic, insulin dependent, um, but I don't need my employer to do anything. But what I do need them to do is to have an awareness of who I am as a person and my diabetes is a part of me. So in case I'm with colleagues and I happen to go into diabetic shock and they have to call 911, at least they know my condition. They know that maybe you know giving me some milk or juice will help the, you know, the current situation or anything else that may come up. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a, an educational and awareness around what constitutes a disability in the system, what organizations use that information for, and why it's so helpful for organizations to understand what their workforce looks like and is composed of. Now, Dan, did you just start disclosing this? <laughs> um, no, actually, I, I've uh, been pretty open about my diabetes. Um, it was diagnosed uh, seven years ago. Uh, so when I turned 40, 
I was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes, um, and my wife said that explains a lot of my behavior, she thinks. But uh, <laughs> since I've, I've been diagnosed with it and I had some bouts where, you know, I you know, had some disorientation and dizziness around uh, with, you know, my insulin levels and, and blood sugar levels, um, I've been pretty, you know, I've been working in this space for a long time, been pretty forthcoming about, um, you know, saying uh, that I have diabetes? Well, let me tell you something. If you, and I can tell what Lori's like. If you knew Dan, he also is Mr. Workaholic. So my point is here are two very professional, successful business leaders working for one of the most prestigious companies and they are successful and they're living with disabilities. And if you are at Accenture and you're listening to this show right now, just know that when you speak up, you know, there are young people living with disabilities that some of which are going through really dark times. You may be more, you may be doing more than just helping someone self-disclose. You could be saving a life. So if you're listening to the show, you know, I hope you too will speak up uh, because I think this is just awesome what Accenture is doing. So we're going to go to a quick break for our news break. Uh, which, as you all know, we have every half hour, Advocacy Matters with Perry Jude Radisick. Perry, are you with us? Hey, Joyce, I'm with you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great today. Good, good. I am doing great. Well, Joyce, uh, it's an exciting week in Congress. Uh, Everything is geared up. And instead of one topic, I have got several topics to discuss on Advocacy Matters this week. There are three big issues happening, uh, and they all start tomorrow. The United States Senate Committee on Finance is hosting a hearing to examine abuse and neglect in nursing homes. The hearing is going to be held tomorrow morning at 10.15. The Senate committee is going to broadcast a hearing live from the Dirksen Senate office building, and I will be posting a link to that hearing on DRP's uh, Disability Rights Pennsylvania's Twitter and Facebook page today. So there's really nothing to do. There's no bill. Uh, no one's calling for action yet, but for those who absolutely are interested in monitoring abuse and neglect and want to move people out of nursing homes, tomorrow will be a good hearing to, uh, to tune into. So that starts at 10.15 tomorrow in the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, Senator Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, chairs that committee. And two of our senators in Pennsylvania, Senator Toomey and Senator Casey, are on the Senate Finance Committee and have an interest in this issue. Awesome. The second issue taking place again tomorrow at 10 o'clock is the Committee on Education and Labor. We are finally going to mark up the Raise the Wage Act. That's tomorrow in education and labor. The bill number, and we have talked about this legislation before on your committee, it's uh, HR 582. And besides raising the minimum wage for everybody, it actually transitions people with disabilities out of the sub-minimum wage and to a fair wage over five years. So it ends the subminimum wage, and it happens over five years. So we'll move from $4.25 an hour to $12.85 an hour, and that markup, which you'll also, you can also watch, will be tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and we will again post that uh, on uh, Twitter and Facebook so everyone can have access to that information and that markup. So what's a markup? 
Well, it's when a committee who has had a hearing on a bill decides to actually look at the legislation, take amendments, and move the bill forward. So that's what a markup is. Wow, we got a lot going on. Oh, my gosh. Joyce, so much is happening this week. Tomorrow, wow. and again, I, I say thanks to the uh, uh, uh uh, Association of Americans with People with Disabilities for getting this information out. The Disability Integration Act, which we have also talked about on your show this year, H.R. 555, which was reintroduced in this Congress, is so important because it addresses long-term services and supports for people with disabilities and helps us live in the community instead of costly institutions. When we aired this segment on February 5th, there were 24 co-sponsors in the Senate and 66 in the House. Now we have 25 co-sponsors in the Senate and 100 co-sponsors in the House. Your listeners have responded. So the disability advocacy community is pushing hard And we are having an all-out, all-day push tomorrow uh, to have a call-in day or write-in day to push all of our members to co-sponsor the Disability Rights Integration Act. A hundred members are great, but we really want the Energy and Commerce Committee and the U.S. House of Representatives to hold a hearing on the legislation More co-sponsors are important, so a national call-in day uh, would be important. We will have on Facebook and Twitter a link again. You don't even, all you have to do is type in your address, and you can easily pull up your members of Congress, and we make it as easy as we can for you to send that communication tomorrow uh, to your members of Congress. So, again, advocacy matters. The goal of our community is to pass the Disability Integration Act and to make sure people have options instead of nursing homes and live in the community uh, and end that institutional bias. So you can help us uh, pass this bill by July 26th, the 29th anniversary of the ADA. So go to disabilityrightspa.org for links to our Twitter and Facebook feeds so you can get all of this information or visit our Twitter and Facebook feeds if you already follow us. We'll be posting this information the rest of today and all day tomorrow. Oh, that is awesome. And, Perry, once again, Disability Rights PA, DRP.org. Is that right? Uh, DisabilityRightsPA.org. DisabilityRightsPA.org. I encourage you to go there. Make sure you go. Go to that page, Advocacy Matters. Read everything we have out there. And by the way, you know, Perry didn't ask me to do this, but I'm going to say it. Make a contribution. Everything this organization is doing is to help civil rights for Americans with disabilities. Perry, you are awesome. Thank you for our news break. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good rest of the show. Thank you. Well, you know, Lori, Lori, we do that because a lot of times people across the United States with disabilities, they really don't know what's going on as it relates to them. Um, and, and I want everyone to know. So that's why a couple years ago we started having a news break every half hour, and it has really uh really been well received because people appreciate knowing what's going on. Yeah, so very important. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, now for the highlight of this show today. One of the reasons I called Dan is I said we've got to have someone on to talk about this fabulous and very powerful research project that Accenture did for AAPD and Disability In. So, Lori, take it away. Well, so, Dan, do you want to start by telling the story behind how this actually came about? 
Sure, and I'll 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 do this quickly. Um, uh, so it was over just about a year ago, um, back February, I, I would say, um, that I was asked to attend a meeting in D.C. with uh, Senator Ted Kennedy Jr., um, Jenny Lee Fleury from Microsoft, David Casey from CVS, uh, Jill Halton, the Executive Director of uh, Disability Inn, and Helena Berger, uh, Executive Director of AAPD. Um, but we were all in this conference room, and we really wanted to figure out what was needed in the business community uh, to convince uh, CEOs and as well as the investor community that disability inclusion was good for business. Um, and I, I recall Senator Kennedy Jr. Um, pondering out loud and saying, only if we knew of an organization with a research center of expertise that would be willing to take this project on and try to find the true correlations from disability inclusion efforts to uh, business outcomes. Um, funny thing was they were all looking at me, <laughs> I'm not sure why, <laughs> and um, I had just met not that long ago Laurie Henborn here with us, um, and I said, well, I do know a managing director in a research function that has a passion around disability inclusion. Um, so, like I said, let me go back and talk to her. I try not to promise anything I can't deliver on in person. Um, so I left that meeting, got on the call, on a call right away with Laurie, and talked to her about, you know, can we prove the business case for disability inclusion? Um, their, uh, disability Inn had, you know, four or five years of data that we could dig through where they were capturing best practices of large employers and that we could dig through that data and try to, um, you know, figure out what the outcomes are. Um, so we have been putting together thought leadership, Accenture has been putting together our thought leadership around gender and pride, um, and I know we needed to up our game on disability inclusion. So when I approached our leadership team, Chad Jurdy, um, who's our general counsel, and he also is, represents our um, focus on enablement, which is our persons with disability efforts on the on our general management council, which is the CEO and, and um, their direct reports. Uh, and Chad, um, I know Joyce, you know, but he happens to also be a, a person with a disability and part of the disability community as a um, as someone that's an amputee. Um, and so he has a large passion around this. So when we brought the project up, it, w it didn't take um, much convincing that this is something we need to do. This is something that Accenture wants to be a part of that larger global conversation in uh, disability inclusion and what inclusive policies means to, you know, employment and, in, in, you know, living conditions and, and just independence and all those other things that it was really a no-brainer. And then Lori, with her passion, kind of just took, took the baton and ran. And so I'll let her let you give you all the juicy details from the research. Ah, thanks, Dan. Perfect. Um, and so, Joyce, you know, as Dan said, we instinctively knew, right, that being inclusive of persons with disabilities, it's it, it isn't simply the right thing to do. It's it's a business imperative. That was at that point, right, a hypothesis. But during the early stages of our study, we discovered lots of, you know, what I would say qualitative, helpful previous research that has shown that employees with disabilities offer substantial benefits to the business, such as increased innovation, improved productivity, a better work environment. But nothing was really providing that compelling data-driven business case, one that was rooted in actual company data reporting insight. And so we wanted this research to go a huge step further. And, um, you know, Ted Kennedy Jr. was absolutely driven to achieving this goal, which means we were as well. Um, so we wanted to prove that it actually pays to be inclusive of the, uh, what we know is roughly 11 million people who are not currently participating in the U.S. labor force. In fact, our incredible data modeling efforts for this study, led by uh, my colleague here um, in New York, Vincenzo Palermo, determined that by increasing the participation of persons with disabilities in the workforce by just 1% more, we can see a boost um, to GDP of $25 billion. So how do we go about this? Um, 
first, it, it helped, yes. Um, it helped to have access to the robust sample of roughly 140 companies who have participated over the last four years of the Disability Equality Index. We had access to this through our, our amazing partners at Disability Inn and, and AAPD. And the DEI, for those who don't know, is an annual transparent benchmarking tool that gives U.S. businesses an objective score on their disability inclusion policies and practices. And, you know, by using this sample, we were able to then review and assess where companies were going above and beyond illustrating themselves as what we called, you know, disability inclusion champions in the study, which, are, which turned out to be roughly 45 companies in our sample. Once we had these companies identified, we were able to perform some very compelling financial correlation analysis. And this analysis, thanks again to Vincenzo and his team, revealed some incredible results um, that best-in-class companies participating in the index have performed better financially. So on average, and this is where I usually cue the drum roll, (laughs) champions achieved 28% higher revenue two times higher net income, and 30% higher economic profit margin. But it didn't end there. Um, We wanted this study, Joyce, to also resonate with investors and the investment community. So we took a look at correlations to shareholder value, both for the champions and also for those who improved their actions and scores over time. Because every company is at different stages of this very important journey. And we needed to acknowledge that. And again, we were pleasantly surprised by the results. So for example, we found that improvers on average were four times more likely to have total shareholder returns that outperformed those of their peer group compared to other companies. Wow. It's pretty powerful stuff, right? Uh, We couldn't have been more pleased. And just the take-up and the sharing of this study, which is available on Accenture.com forward slash PWD. Um, uh, uh, The title is Getting to Equal the Disability Inclusion Advantage. Just the the way this this study is being incorporated now into um, our own, right, Dan, our own client discussions and um, um, events, et cetera, has been... Been, has been really humbling and incredible. Wow. You know what? I, I'll tell you what I love about this. It says, uh, Ted Kennedy said, it's one thing if I go out or you or Dan or him and say, you know what? When you embrace disability inclusion, such as the DEI, when you embrace this, there is a return on investment. There is a return on profits. And here, that's one thing, me saying it, or any of us, but now you have the data. Mm-hmm. So how do people get yeah. that report? How do people so get it's that available, report? Yep, yeah, so it's available on Accenture.com forward slash PWD. Or you can follow me on on Twitter, Henna Geek. I'm constantly <laughs> tweeting, <laughs> tweeting about it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best way to go about obtaining um, the study. So the companies that participated versus those that did not was shocking. It was really shocking Amazing. to see mm-hmm. to see. Um, you know what surprised you the most, Lori? What surprised me the most? I mean, I think it was the, um, the again, the, the data that surfaced. So if we're talking about the study, what surprised me the most, it's certainly the data around the improvers. That was um, by far more than we were. We were expecting four times more um, in shareholder value was, is just incredible. And it is a powerful message to deliver to those companies who, um, who are perhaps on the earlier, right, in the earlier stages of their journey, if they're still focused predominantly on getting the employment right, right, getting their recruiting practices in place, et cetera, um, they can see that there is, there is that potential for growth, as they continue to move along those, um, what we call those, those four key actions, so em- employ, engage, enable, and then ultimately empowering. Um, 
I would say that that's probably what stands out for me from this study. A surprise outside of the study is just, again, um, the way in which this study is being amplified um, and really activated in even other countries. So I've been having conversations with my Italian colleagues. I've had conversations with my colleagues in France. And, and this is, is just continues to, um, yeah. I, yeah. what, what do I say, Dan? But, Overwhelmingly but, overwhelming. All right. So they <laughs> yeah, amplify. And again, um, it, it's funny. Um, myself and my colleagues talk about uh, this re- research and this report as the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I would say one of the uh, highlights of, of the reach that we've had uh, with this uh, paper, um, with, you know, with the product that, um, that Laurie and her team has been able to develop. Um, it was featured at um, Davos this year um, for the first disability inclusion main panel um, uh, session. So it was the first time at Davos that they talked about disability inclusion on the main stage. Um, Accenture was able to be a part of that. Our North America CEO, Julie Sweet, actually um, participated in that panel with Caroline Casey and the Valuable Campaign. Um, and we were, and they led the session off talking about the research and, and what it means for businesses and what it means for the economies that, that take this seriously. So it's, to me, it's been just mind-boggling the reach and impact that it has had on the community to have the discussions. So another example of that is um, Comptroller Dinapoli from New York um, sending out a letter to all the companies that they invest in because uh, they have a pretty large pension fund that they, you know, can activate a lot of investment dollars. Um, so he uh, and added to their investment strategy this disability inclusion lens um, to let all the companies know that they are um, investing in or thinking about investing in that, that they should participate in the Disability Equality Index um, and to really kind of manage and, and assess their practices. So uh, couldn't ask for a, a, a better outcome with that's really impacting on in, in a large-scale fashion. Yeah, I think we all should salute Accenture because we finally have in our hands this report with all of this data. You know, we can finally say to companies, look at this. And Dan, just as you said, for Tom DiNapoli to become so impacted by this that he would contact CEOs saying, this is important. That is phenomenal. It really is. So, you know, everyone listening to the show, I just want you to know how awesome Accenture is, you know, that they did something like this pro bono. And Lori, this, you know, this will be your legacy doing this. I mean, it really will. This is so powerful. I know, Lori, though, that you think also just the personal stories in life have an impact. Isn't that true? They really do, um, and if anything, it's it's studies like this and bringing this study into um, local team meetings, um, you know, business leader uh, forums where you have business leaders. Um, very oftentimes, when I'm asked to present on this study, it's not just about the numbers, right? It does involve those personal stories, um, and I in, inevitably I end up including right my own story and. Um, and and I, I think that's really um, what we want to have happen. We want this study to be shared, but in, in, even more so, we want the conversational the conversation to be happening, right? Whether it's between business leaders or it's between employees or business leaders to employees. That, that's that's the important, I think, aspect for me. Well, Lori, um, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned about social media before, but how best to follow you? And 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 I know you're on LinkedIn. Uh, is that where they would go, of course, to get the blog? But how else can they follow you? I mean, I think that um, I think yes, I, I am on Twitter. Uh, it's Tenna Geek uh, because I am a research geek after all, um, and and I am on on LinkedIn. So, but but really, at the end of the day, it's following that um, that um, 
um, page on Accenture.com and the content that we continue to to load there as it relates to um, our disability inclusion, whether it's thought leadership or more or practices. We have a section there on supplier diversity as well with some thought leadership accessibility. As Dan knows, we have some excellent mm-hmm. content along those lines, and and obviously also following our partners, so AAPD, Disability In, You, um, and this radio show, etc. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a group conversation, right? Um, you know, I believe that first, um, when we talk about um, the, the use of this study and how to most effectively amplify, right, first we need to, to see more companies shifting their disability inclusion mindset from one of philanthropy to foundational. Um, and, and this study really does strike at the core of what a business leader needs to know in order to invest time and resources to any initiative. It's providing the business case. Um, and so now that we have it, the hope is that it will be shared, it will be talked about. Um, I've given the website, and, and companies should really use it along with the disability um, Equality Index as well, to plot where their company is along, um, especially along the four key actions we identified in the study. And those were, um, Joyce, employ, engage, enable, and empower. So, you know, do what needs to be done to identify the key goals, which will help to accelerate your company along that path to empowerment. And I, I want to stress the last three actions in particular, um, and, and among those companies who are serious about hiring more persons with disabilities, it, you know, and I recognize this because we did a number of interviews as well as the number crunching, right? We did a number of interviews to support this study. If you can't illustrate how you are engaging your workforce to understand and embrace disability inclusion, if you're not enabling your persons with disabilities with the accommodations they need and making your tools and technologies more accessible to your customers and employees alike, or you're not empowering your workforce to continually grow and advance in their jobs or careers, you're going to have a difficult time attracting and or retaining those individuals. And, you know, by the way, um, leading them to feeling comfortable and safe, going back to what we were talking about, self-disclosing. Um, because, I, you know, as someone speaking, you know, as someone um, with a disability, ultimately, um, we want to know that we can, we can, um, we can leave FUD, right? What I talked about earlier, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We can leave FUD at the door and really focus on the value that we can deliver through our creativity, through our loyalty, and through our unique skills. Oh, well, Lori and Dan, you know, uh, what can I say? This is just so powerful, so great, and I so appreciate both of you being on the show today. And speaking of this show, if you go to iTunes or Spotify, you can get this show If I were you, share it with everyone. That's the whole idea, sharing it with everyone. Thank you so much, both of you, for being with us today. Thank you, Joyce. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Joyce. Well, you know, we end every show with a quote, and here it is. One of the most difficult things to give away is kindness, for it is usually returned. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters and so does Accenture care about it at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.